And to Jesus be the praise this wonderful Monday to my most wonderful family. And I'm telling you, you are the sweetest people on earth. And to Jesus be the praise. You're his people. That's why you are the dearest people, most beloved people of God. I love it. And today I'm going to begin teaching this wonderful Monday on God's image in you because I believe once you see yourself as God sees you, you will live in glorious victory. Thank you for joining me today and thank you for being my wonderful partner and family. And Lord Jesus, we come to you today. And Lord, I pray you will bless your people today with this beautiful message. And Lord, I pray it will go deep in their being and bring tremendous results in their life and great fruit for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful ah, and holy name and God's people said, Amen. All right, now, let's, uh, let's begin to understand something that is really powerful. I'm talking about the image of God in you. Um, in the business world, they've discovered long ago that when a man will succeed, he succeeds because there's a good self-image. In other words... Um, no man can rise above his self-image. So the image of himself or herself that they themselves form will either cause someone to succeed or fail. And that's in the business world. So that image that people carry of themselves uh, decides the heights they go to or how deep in disaster they go. All depends on the image. Image has a lot to do with success and failure because the way we see ourselves will cause us to succeed or fail. So as Christians, it's the same for us too. So it's the same in the spiritual world. So it's not who you are, it's who you believe you are. Let's say it again. It's not who we are, it's, it's who believe, what we believe about ourselves. It's who we believe we are. So it's not what a person is, it's what he or she believes he or she is. So, This is very important, and the Bible tells us something powerful about this in Galatians 4. So let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. What a powerful verse. Even though someone may be an heir, or one who has inherited much, or one who is of royal descent. It says, as long as he is a child, he's no different than from a slave, though he be lord of all. Even though a man may be a king, or a prince in the world, or maybe someone who's inherited a great fortune, the son of some wealthy somebody. It says, as long as he is a child. In other words, if he doesn't know who he is, if he does not know and doesn't believe that he is the person that he truly is, he is no different than a slave, than a servant. 
So it says, now I say that the heir, one who is an inheritor, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. What a powerful statement. You know, um, I read a story about an elephant one time who, when he was a little baby elephant, he was quite wild. And in the zoo, they tied his leg to a, to a piece of metal uh, where, where he was. And so every time he, he tried to move, he could not move because that thing held him. The chain was holding him down to something in the ground. And then the elephant grew and grew and grew and grew and grew, but never tried to lose himself because in his mind he still could not break the chain. He, he could have broken that chain with, with, with ease as he was growing and as he was getting stronger. But he never tried to release himself because in his mind he was still bound to the chain. And I thought to myself, how many people have I met or have you met? that believe things about themselves that are not true at all. That elephant believed he could not break the chain. Well, he could not break it when he was a little elephant. But he, he, he got much bigger now and stronger than the chain, but he did not know that in his own mind or believed it. So it's important that we believe what God says about us. It's so important to believe what the Word really says. And we're going to look into that because I think it's so important to understand what the Bible says. Now, let me let me show you something really powerful in Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and let's look at verse 11. Now, the Bible says this, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. So here, here we see something very important, that, that the, the grass, let the earth bring grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Whose kind? Does it mean after the kind of the seed? Of course it does. But remember, this is before the fall. So everything brought forth after God's kind. In other words... When that fruit came out of that tree, it never got rotten, because this is before the fall. It, uh, worms didn't eat it. Like today, they have to spray uh, vegetation and fruit. That's why people get sick, because they eat that sprayed fruit or vegetable. And that's why people like to buy organic, because it's not sprayed as much. But think about before the fall, there was no such thing as a fruit going rotten or something happening to the vegetation when it was growing. No worms and all that. It was perfect. Why? It was after God's kind. So when the Bible says after his kind, it means two things. It means first after God's kind and the kind of seed that was sown. But people don't realize that before Adam fell into sin, the earth was perfect, vegetation, perfect, no no corruption of any sort. Nothing went rotten, nothing got old before Adam fell. So think that the fruit was perfect because God created it. How about us? How about you? 
because we are created in his image. In his image. Now, let's, you know, bring clarity and balance to what will happen here. So, the original plan is, in verse 26 of Genesis 1, and God said, let us make man after our image, our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, fall of the air, over the cattle, the earth, all over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Well, the image of God cannot be corrupted. There's no there's no weakness in that image. There's no uh, disease in that image because God is perfect. Okay, now we, we, we do know that after Adam fell, everything went bad. But Jesus came to restore the image. So now we have the promise of God that says, here's who you are today in Christ Jesus. But let's understand God's image. Well, if you and I are created after the image of God, like let's just say Adam did not fall. <clears throat> what kind of humanity would have would have existed and gone on? Well, God is power, so nobody would have lost anything. Be no loss. Uh, God is health, nobody would have gotten sick. God is wealth, no one would have gotten poor. God is peace, no one would have had troubles and confusions you see today. God is victory. Uh, we would we would always live in triumph, but man sinned. That was the big problem. Man sinned, and everything lost. <clears throat> That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to restore what was lost. The Lord Jesus came and gave us the promise at the new birth when we got saved, that His image would become ours again. His image was ours. Before the fall, Adam sinned. We lost that image. Jesus comes. The image is restored. Now, I'm not talking about image like this. You know, we're created in the image, likeness of God. Yeah, of course. But the image of God also is spiritual. The image of God is the way you live your life. So had there been no sin... Had Adam not fallen, everything would have remained perfect. No disease, no sickness, no sin, no bondage, no wars, all that. But Adam fell, and as a result, all the troubles began. Now Jesus comes, and Jesus says, I'm going to restore that image to my people. Okay, it's a process. Because the image of God is not given to us overnight. Nobody ever said that. I'm not saying that either because God's word is clear on how the image is restored. So let's go to Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8. But the key is, is what you believe about yourself. What you believe about who you are. Romans 8, 29. <clears throat> Remember what, 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 what I said. It's not who you are. It's who you believe you are. So Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine it to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's incredible. That we might 
be conformed. Now that word conformed means it's a process. Like Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed through God's blessed presence and word. So conformed means it's a process. It's a process. Nothing ever happens overnight in the spirit or in the flesh. It all is a process. So 1 Corinthians 15 also says, I'll give you these scriptures, make sure you write them down because they will help you understand who you are so you're going to start believing it. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, it says, As we have borne the image of the earthly, meaning Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So that image of God, that image of the Lord Jesus, not given to us overnight, but the process begins at salvation. And as we begin to behold, as we begin to behold the glory of the Lord through his word, the transformation begins. And then you begin to see yourself and you begin to believe who you are as God reveals that to you through his word. Let's look at that. Let's look at 2 Corinthians and let's look at chapter 3 and let's look at verse 18. It says, but we all with open face, meaning not covered like Moses' veiled face, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, meaning the word of God, the glory of the Lord, because the word is called a glass in the Bible, in more than one place, by the way, or a mirror. So it says, but we all with open face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. So when I look into the Bible, I see Jesus in the Word. It's like looking at a at a mirror and seeing your your face. Well, when I look in the Bible, I see the Lord's face. And through his beautiful image, we all with open face beholding the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, you know, Paul didn't say we're, we're going to change when we get to heaven. No, he said the change begins here. In the way we live, in the way we walk, in the way we think, and everything about our life becomes more and more heavenly, more and more like the Lord wants us to be, you know. And when we see him, naturally, we're going to be delivered from this body of corruption, this vile body, and we're going to have a body that looks just like the Lord. But today, we can literally begin in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual life. We can begin changing slowly, and we do, and we should have begun. Some people have maybe have taken longer than others because they, they, they don't understand the power of God's Word. They read, for example, only parts of the Bible, not knowing by neglecting the Word of God, they're not being changed as quickly. We have to know the whole Word of God, because it's the knowledge of the Lord. It's the knowledge of the Lord that changes us. Not a part of his knowledge, his full knowledge. So it says, we with open face beholding as in a glass or a mirror, meaning the Bible, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit. Now, um, how this begins to happen 
is Colossians 3.10. All right? In Colossians 3.10, we begin to understand a little more about what we just read in 2 Corinthians. It says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Ah, there's the key. Renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So, I cannot be renewed and have God's image in my life where I can begin to live as I should till the knowledge of the Lord begins to fill my mind and my being totally and completely. Because what fills my mind will become a part of my spirit because that's how the word of God drips, you know, slowly. When I read the Bible, my mind receives the information, but my heart receives the revelation as I meditate upon what I've just read, what I've received. And as the revelation of the Lord grows and grows in me of who God is, I understand his nature, his mind, the way he thinks, and why he does what he does. And so now, I begin to change into that image through the knowledge. So it says in verse 10, we've put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So that knowledge is so important because now we begin to believe what the word says about us. And that knowledge cannot uh, be received without the Holy Spirit. So we can't live the life of the Spirit without the knowledge of the Word. Because God's Word, like I said, is that mirror, it's the glass. Now, uh, James, in his book, confirms that. Let's look at James 1, and we're going to look at verse 22, uh, right through 26. He says, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face as in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. But watch this. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty. In other words, who looks into that glass that the Bible talks about in Second Corinthians. But if we look into that law of liberty, into the word of God, and continue therein, we continue looking at the scriptures. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in his deed. And the Greek says, in what he does, in what he does. So when you put both together, it's quite powerful. Because he said, be ye doers of the word, not hearers. Because if a man is only hearing and not doing, he's like a man looking into a glass. His natural face, he sees his own face in a glass. But as he leaves, he, he forgets what he saw. Because he's not a doer. So we have to live the Bible. We have to do the Bible. But we can't live and do the Bible till the Bible is in us. Till we begin to receive it by the Spirit of God. So it's vitally, vitally important that we know who 
we are in the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you a blessed scripture, and that is in Second Peter. And then we're going to go and see something more from it. But let's look at Second Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 1. Now, look what it, what, what it, it says in verse 2. Grace, this is Second Peter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So I am not after knowledge, nor are you. We're after the knowledge of God, not just knowledge. I don't want to be full of knowledge, but the knowledge is not of the Lord. There's a lot of people out there full of knowledge. But I want to know him. I want his knowledge. We need his knowledge. So grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of the Lord, of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, when I look at the scriptures, it begins to show me some amazing things that God has given. And I'm going to stop with this today and continue to more. But, but I've got to read this for you because it is so powerful and so divine, it's almost unbelievable. So who am I? Who are you? Well, Ephesians 1 tells us, and beginning at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Number one, I'm blessed and you're blessed with all blessings. Verse 4, according as has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. We're chosen. That we should be holy. We're holy. Without blame. We're without blame. Before him in love. We are loved. Just in the first few words, we've discovered we're blessed, chosen, holy, blameless, and loved. Wow. That could set anyone free from rejection right there. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children, I'm adopted, so are you. By Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. We're accepted in the beloved. Just as I read just a few, just a few things here, just three or so verses. We are blessed with all blessings. We are chosen. We are holy. We are without blame. We are loved. We are, I mean, this is, this is really awesome. We're adopted. We're accepted. And then it says, verse 7, in whom we have redemption. We're redeemed through the blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins. We're forgiven according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom. We are wise. We are prudent. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. We know his will according to his good pleasure in which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and on earth even in him. In whom also we have obtained and we have an inheritance. I mean these things are all in the word of God. So who are we? Well, if you read this amazing chapter, it tells you we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. We are chosen. We are 
holy, we are blameless, we are loved, we are adopted, we are accepted, we are redeemed and forgiven. We have all wisdom and prudence. We know the mystery of his will. Wow. And then the Bible goes on to say, we've obtained an inheritance. Amazing. That's who we are. We need to start believing what God says about us. Not what the world says about us or we say about ourselves. Let's begin to believe the word of God. And when we do, the Bible says in 1 John, 1 John 4. I wasn't going to go any further, but let me just give you this because it's so powerful. 1 John 4, 17. I, I'm sure you've heard it and you know it, but this is powerful. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Wow. As he is, so are we in this world. It didn't say in heaven. It says in this world. Jesus, I give you praise and glory. He became the son of man that I and you might become sons of God. He became... He took upon him our sin that we can become his righteousness. He took upon him our sickness so we can be healed. He died for us that we might live for him. He went to the underworld and rose again that we might go to glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to continue tomorrow. You've got to, you've got to join me tomorrow because I have so much more and incredible things, exciting things that you need to hear from the word of God. Because tomorrow I'm going to pray that the Lord Almighty will restore what you lost. Will, will bring healing to your image. I was reading this morning in Jeremiah. I will restore health unto thee and heal thee of all thy wounds. God wants to restore everything you lost. And I'm going to pray that God will give you that amazing hunger for his word. That you will get to know who you are in Jesus. And believe who you are in Jesus. And be healed from the oppression of the world and the enemy. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in our life. Lord, I pray this teaching will bring your people back, put them back on the mountaintop in Jesus' name. Let them live victoriously in Jesus' name. Bless them, honor them, let your image live in them, that they might live in you. In your holy name I pray. I give you praise. Amen. All right, it's time to give to the Lord's work today. You know, I've been telling you how important giving is in this time, in this world, as we see all the troubles all around us. Because when we give, we live. And when we give, we are blessed. And when we give and we sow our seed, we cannot fail. We just cannot fail. Because it says, patience. In due time, you will reap if you don't faint, if you sow your seed and just give the Lord the time he needs to bring you the harvest. Because seed, time, harvest. Seed must wait for time before the harvest comes. When people sow in the spring, they reap and fall in the natural. So we have to wait for the harvest. And every time you sow seed, you secure your future. You never lose your money because it goes into your future. You can never lose your seed. It goes into your future. 
When people go to a store and shop, they lose their money and they get something for it, of course, but then they have to go buy it again. But in the spirit, we never lose our seed. It goes into our tomorrow and God restores all we sow. And it's multiplied. It doesn't come back the same amount. It comes, it comes back 36 to 112 according to our measure. With the same measure, with the same amount we sow, we will reap, Jesus said in Luke 6. With the same measure you give, you'll receive. Lord, bless them as they give in Jesus' holy name. Multiply the seed they sow, as you've said in your word, and give them, Lord, seed, because they're all sowers. Every sower, I pray, give them seed, as your word declares you will, in Jesus' holy name. And God's people said, Amen. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 112 that we declare our righteousness by our giving. So the man sows and God declares him righteous because only the righteous are givers. Only people who walk with God and love him will give. The wicked don't give. The wicked give so they can get somewhere in the world. Recognition of some sort. But we give that God will recognize us and bless us, and he will do just what he promised. Remember, your future is safer than you can make it as long as you sow seed in the Lord's work. All right, you can give right now, right there on the platform you're watching me on, or you can go to our website, benin.org, or you can text BHM45777. Join me tomorrow as I finish this beautiful teaching on God's image in you. Tell your friends about this and share this because it's really needed. Much love.